0: At and this is 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m., and up next is cover-to-cover cover open book. Good afternoon and welcome to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Today I have the pleasure of being joined in the studio by Rodrigo Garcia, longtime performer who is here as the current Community Relations Associate for Teatro Vision. Teatro Vision is a Chicano theater company that celebrates cultura, nurtures comunidad, and inspires vision. It's housed at the Mexican Heritage Plaza in San Jose. Rodrigo is here to talk about Teatro Vision's West Coast premiere of the best-selling novel Bless Me Ultima. It just started playing on March 17th and will be running through April 3rd. Bienvenido Rodrigo, a KPFA and Open Book.
1: Thank you very much, Amelia. It is a pleasure to be here.
0: I wanted to start by uh, reminding our audience of Bless Me Ultima, which has become a classic in Chicano literature. When written in 1972 by Rodolfo Anaya, critics proclaimed the book a new and refreshing offering to Chicano Latino literature. And it was awarded the Premio Quinto Sol Award for Best Chicano Novel and was also selected for the Big Read, an initiative for the National Endowment for the Arts that propelled the book to further popularity. Can you talk about why Teatro Vision saw it important to present this work?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Teatro Vision, um, as a Chicano theater company, as a leading Chicano theater company in the United States, looks always to present works that reflect the Chicano experience. Bless Me Ultima really does that, and I think that's why it became. Uh, the best uh, Chicano novel, the best-selling uh, Chicano novel, because it really reflects the culture of Chicanos. This mixing of worlds, um, integrating the indigenous tradition with the Western culture um, and, and, and the result of that, the journey of people um, from one place to another and 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 it really it really uh brings a lot of the elements that chicano theater promotes such as um tradition in in native um indigenous culture the um, taking care of our elders um the spirituality that is ingrained in our culture so it's it was a, a no-brainer to do this play we were just um, waiting for the, for the adaptation to be ready to do it. It wasn't ready, hadn't been worked, um, to the level of, 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 performance that, uh, Teatro Vision was looking for. But now, now it is, and, and we're very, very happy to, to be the, the first, um, theater company in the West Coast to present it.
0: Is this based on Rodolfo Anaya's adaptation of the play? I know that he worked on it, and he actually presented it. Yes,
1: um, absolutely. Rodolfo Anaya worked on the adaptation, and the first time it was done, it was at a workshop at uh, Su Teatro. It's a, a theater company in Denver, Colorado. They worshiped the piece there. And then another uh, theater company in New Mexico, Vortex Theater, they did um, a more formal production. And uh, this is the, the, again, this is the first time that we do, that, that a theater company does a full production of the adaptation that Rodolfo and I worked on.
0: So, for those folks that might not remember, as as classic as it is, it also was written over 30 years ago. Let's talk a little bit about the story, because the story captures so much of the Chicano uh, Mexicano experience, in that it uh, it talks about that conflict, those Native American beliefs versus the Catholicism that was imposed in so many of our gente. Can you give us a little synopsis of the story of Antonio Mares?
1: yes um well in 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 very simple terms this um I could say that this is a coming of age uh, story, and the leading character or the leading characters are little antonio uh Tony, and Ultima mm-hmm. Ultima it's a curandera, a healer woman with all the experience that you can imagine uh, that all the the experience that she has gotten from from walking all those um Caminos in, in, in New Mexico and, um, you know, in the campo and collecting herbs and, and just gathering knowledge. Um, she brings all that and, and then Antonio, it's this young boy that it's, that he has that special thing, uh, of, um, being very connected with the spirituality and um she uh, he is the youngest in the family and curand um ultima besides being a curandera she's also a, a partera she delivers uh children and so um when she um, delivers Tony into this world the first thing that she says is he has a tecolote eyes. He has an mm. owl's eyes, and that means a lot in the in the um, you know in indigenous cultures. Right. The tecolote de owl means wisdom. And so they begin the journey uh Tony is about 6 uh, years old soon to be 7 when Ultima comes home uh his parents they decide to bring her because she's she's um, an older woman she's living by herself and they they don't want that for her so she comes home and she teaches Tony that nature has a spirit, that everything in nature has a spirit. And, and also she, uh, she helps him figure out what he is going to be in life, finding his way, because he doesn't know. He, there's a conflict in his family because his mom's, um, side they belong to the Luna family, the moon. Mm-hmm. And the that side belongs to the Mares uh, family, the uh, ocean. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine when the moon and the ocean, you know, get together, there there's, um, I don't know how you say it, a marea, you know, mm-hmm. the big waves. So there is this conflict within the family. And... While the dad wants him to be a cowboy and be a rough man, the mother wants him to be a priest. And so for him, it's finding, what am I going to be?
0: Right, because it's a ticket to education, which I thought was so fascinating, right? When you think of the lim- how sometimes we perceive religion as a ticket to knowledge. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So,
1: (laughs) you know, the 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 play really unfolds the moment that Ultima arrives at um, the Mars and Luna family, and really, again, it's 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 exploration of finding the meaning of things. Um, um, Ultima, with all her caring for people, she says, "I was taught." To do good and and that's what I'm doing, right, but she acknowledges that there are people who do evil, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she says, but uh good would always overcome or um Prevail prevail over evil, mm-hmm. and that's really uh you know the lesson that that happens throughout There are a lot of messages that I can address and, and one of the things that I think is very unique of our of our gente of our familias it's the it's the caring of elders, and you can see it very, very clearly in this six years old uh, boy bonding so deeply with this older wise woman. And I think that's, um, one of the messages that Bla- Bless Me Ulta delivers so well. Uh, and again, you know, all Chicanos and, and non-Chicanos, Latinos, we can all relate to that. That's a value intrinsic in our, in our families.
0: That's the voice of Rodrigo Garcia who is here talking about the play Bless Me Ultima that started playing at the Mexican Heritage Plaza produced by Teatro Vision and I'll give you more information about that later. Would you say those themes that Rodolfo Anaya brought to life in Bless Me Ultima are still very important? I mean, part of the background is Antonio's brothers um, come back from World War II. And you see the unfortunate results of war in the characters that come back from World War II. Was there a conscious decision to to play that up or play it down maybe because of where we are right now in war
1: no, absolutely there There is a conscious decision of um, addressing those issues and those values. I think it 's important to highlight um, you know uh, the, the play happens in uh, in the times after the World war two and and that issue of the of the veterans coming home. And not being able to find the world that they left right mm-hmm. it's i mean it's a current we still see that conflict right now with um without veterans that come back home and they're looking for that for that uh, place that they they used to live in before they left to the war, and the conflict that it happens that is reflected in this play, and it's very current. the values that um are the caring of the elders, the um, the tradition of a spirituality, I think they're very, very important as well and that's why we want to keep promoting these positive values which are very unique to Chicano culture, too, to the experience of Latinos living in the United States.
0: And I think something that you also mentioned is that moral independence, which Ultima kind of fosters in Antonio, is, is just having that um, that moral compass come from within, not necessarily be driven by exterior motives or or what have you, or what society says is a worthy war. It doesn't matter. Still, it it uh, it is it affects you in a very deep level and uh, I'm glad that that you brought that up. What other themes do you see that were um highlighted in this work that were important um given the the situation that we're living in now?
1: Well, um I think the you know one one of the other values that exist in blasming Ultima is the value of, um, or, well, l- l- let me put it that way. Let me not say value, but Bless Me Ultima shows you that in Chicano culture, the spiritual world and the real world are not two separate entities. And, um, I like to give an example for, for, uh, if you say Harry Potter, you see Harry Potter and you see all these magical things happen That only happen in a dimension that is magical And then you see what happens in reality These are two separate entities And sometimes in in, in works um, that, that touch upon magical realism They tend to separate these two It's just magical because it's really not real And bless me Ultima, however We talk about this spirituality Bless me Ultima Has a spiritual being Which is the owl The geyser That's not magical at all That's real And that's ingrained In the native cultures And that's promoted All throughout the plate And I think that's one of the Important values too That is very current To our reality um, This Syncretismo uh, That happens Between the western culture And the native culture we still carry it. You know, we still celebrate Dia de los Muertos. And that's, you know, that's not all Catholicism nor um, Native culture, Native Indigenous culture. It's a current and that understanding of what it means to us that, you know, in the Day of the Dead, our our relatives, our dead um Rel- the relatives that are dead, they don't come and visit us as ghosts that happen in Halloween stories, but rather they live with us. so it's again, it's promoting those values that are still very, very current, and that only helps helps us to understand who we are within the 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 actual not the actual the the, the current context that we lived in um, in this society
0: as i hear you speak about that and the the magic versus reality i'm reminded by um frida Kahlo, who said they thought i was a surrealist but i wasn't i never painted dreams i painted my own reality which rodolfo anaya captures that and this story of bless me ultima captures that because the magic and reality aren't as separate as as we think and yet Western society a lot of times tries to put a label on that. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think that quote from Frida Kahlo, it's it's right on point. Because in the society that we lived in, when you're not able to understand the deep meaning, then it becomes something different, something that it, it doesn't exist in our realities. If I don't see it, I don't believe in it and and for us however a lot of that it's is within in our spirit so it is i guess you know those who those of us who were raised by our abuelas our our mothers who who learned those those values when we since we were young were able to understand why we put an altar to our you know loved ones who who passed why um you know why we have all these beliefs that for some other cultures might seem not part of the reality, but for us it's 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 our it's our reality mm-hmm. um definitely you know, bless me Ultima reflects that exactly that nature the 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 value that exists within our culture in terms of the spirituality.
0: And that's the voice of Rodrigo Garcia, longtime performer who's here as a current community relations associate for Teatro Vision. And we're talking about Bless Me Ultima, the play that has opened March 17th and will be running through April 3rd. Rodrigo, I wanted to take a minute to talk about your experience because you've been acting and collaborating in many of Teatro Vision's productions and have a long history since you've been here in the Bay Area in 1990. From the years of 1974 with the founding of TENAS, which was the Teatro Nacional de Aslan and, and the collaborations with Mexico's Cleta Theater Organization, what is your take on the state of Chicano Theater right now?
1: I was born and raised in Mexico City and I came here when I was already a, um, a young adult. And... um and I, I and I began to learn um, about Chicano culture and Chicano arts, and and through that I've learned that well, first of all, when I was living in Mexico City, I I knew about Cleta, for example, and I knew, and I was in touch with some of the expressions of Chicano um, art in Mexico City because they they did have uh, um, a lot of influence. In the in the culture of Chilangos in the city, right? Um, so I was familiar with some of those things, but I always thought that they were Chilango um, driven or, or they came out out of the Chil- Chilango experience. But in reality, you know, this was the influence that the Chicanos brought into the the culture of, the, of Mexico City. So I was familiar with that, but I never I never understood what it was like and you know what the 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 chicano movement was really about when I come to the United States and I have this cultural um clash between being an immigrant and and here facing the chicano culture and not understanding why chicanos some of chicanos do not speak Spanish and I wasn't able to communicate in english and that was uh, that created some some issues in me but then i my challenge was, okay, you know, I need to learn who they are so I'm able to relate to them if I I can do it. So I began to learn about more of Chicano culture, and I and I found all these similarities between my own experience and the Chicano experience. In the arts, uh, for example, I learned that there was, a, a, in the 70s, there was a big movement, like you mentioned, with the NAS, which our artistic director, Elisa Marina Alvarado, was part of that movement with um teatro de la gente and uh and i think at that time there were a lot of groups that promoted uh the the chicano culture through theater and i think it was just um I guess a consequence of of any social movement that when it's in the height of of the movement, there's a lot of going on. At this time, there is a Chicano uh, theater going on. I think there are not that many groups that are doing Chicano theater right now. Um, and again, that's that's just a consequence of any movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a live. Chicano theater going on. In the area, we have, of course, El Teatro Campesino. We have Su Teatro. We have so many, um, great companies. But in terms of numbers, they're definitely fewer than there were in the 1970s. But the Chicano theater is, is live and thriving and, and just always looking to, to do great work that we have had in the last years or in the last decades, um, a big boom of, uh, Chicano playwrights, uh, Octavio Solis, Ray right. Moraga, you know. José Rivera and, and many others that I can that that I can cite. But uh,
0: well, now that you mention José Rivera, it's interesting because he's had very mainstream Octavio Solis as well has had a very um, you know kind of mainstream productions that wouldn't necessarily be defined as Chicano theater. for
1: the Disenchanted.
0: Yes, and I guess my my point is uh, that maybe the theater world doesn't necessarily see it as Chicano theater, but would you say that that some of it is that maybe it's because there's more integration in the theater world do you see that there is some of that that the theater world is is uh taking in more diverse productions uh diverse casts or do you really think that it's less numbers
1: well um i want to be very careful in answering that question uh because definitely there are um, different points uh, points of view for each side of the story. In my own experience, what I've seen um, in going to national theater conferences is that people are now embracing more multiculturalism, mm-hmm. that including obviously Chicano theater, Latino theater, or, or however we we want to call it. And 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 again, but but yet we still see that uh for example for actors actors that you know que estamos morenitos there's still not very many opportunities um in terms of uh um you know roles and in in plays you go to any audition in in large audition in in the Bay area for example you see great talent among Latinos. But of course you know when you're doing Shakespeare, when you're doing all these other plays that are not all about uh, the Chicano experience or the Latino experience, then you're lucky if you get um, the role okay. because, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking to portray um, an Englishman or a Scottishman or, you know. I, I think we're, we're, we're all familiar with that, just like it happens in the movies. Right. Uh, you see the Latinos playing roles that are meant for Latinos specifically, mm-hmm. And now we, we still don't cross that. We still haven't seen, uh, you know, a Juliet that is, that is more mexica looking or, you know, and, and I think we're getting a little bit, um, beyond where we were 20, 30 years ago, but I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done.
0: But as my mother says, a panzasos,
1: right? (laughs) Whatever it takes. But the good thing, again, is that there are still um, companies and people and playwrights and actors who are doing the work that needs to be done to to have a presence and to remind those who are not like us and to remind ourselves that we exist and that we are part of this. Just like Ultima reminds Tony that everything in nature has a spirit and you need to be aware of that. It's just like us, you know, we have a place here that our spirit is part of the whole thing. We're not isolated beings.
0: Rodrigo Garcia talking about the state of Chicano Latino Theater as well as talking about the play, the West Coast premiere of the best-selling novel Bless Me Ultima. And the play has started March 17th, which was uh, last night, and will be running through April 3rd. And if you want more information, you could contact Teatro Visión at 408-294-6621. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. I wanted to go back on what you were talking about. I want to be clear that regardless of the numbers, I mean, it becomes a number game that is a no-win proposition for, for our comunidad. And regardless if we were ever present, always present in the teatro and in the movies, that there still needs to be a place for Chicano Theater. And that's where Teatro Vision comes in. And I wanted just to kind of end on that note and talk about this particular production. You mentioned that, um, I believe, I believe Elisa Alvarado is directing
1: it. Yes, Elisa Mm -hmm. Marina Alvarado is. Yeah, so talk
0: uh, about the production.
1: Uh, Well, the production, it's it's an amazing production. We have one of the largest uh, cast in our history of productions. We have 15 um, actors, all very, very talented um, as part of the cast we have some veteranos from teatro campesino joining joining this production oh, wow, great. we have some veteranos from teatro visión joining the production and we have young fresh new talent joining the production we have live music which is really beautiful it really adds a lot we have um professionals um uh, you know Technicians putting everything to make this this experience unique, uh, and people would would be able to see it that um, the play. For example, in terms of the stage, it's very minimal. We're accomplishing a lot with lights and projections, but it really brings that essence of of the spiritual hard that exist. I just want to say that visually the play is astonishing. And the play is mostly in English, but we have uh, Spanish, uh, or translation in Spanish. We have subtitles over the, uh, the stage or on top, just like in the opera, because we're also high tech. I think, uh, Teatro Vision is really, really proud of this production, as, as all the others that we've had. And, and we just keep, you know, getting better and better and better and better.
0: And you just heard the voice of Rodrigo Garcia. And we've been talking about Teatro Vision's spring season that is starting with the West Coast premiere of the stage adaptation of Rodolfo Anaya's classic novel, Bless Me, Ultima. And it's going to be running from March 17th, starting last night, to April 3rd at the Mexican Heritage Plaza in San Jose. And for those of you who might not know where that is, that is located at 1700. Alum Rock Avenue, and tickets can be purchased by phone at four zero eight two nine four six six two one or online at www.teatrovision.org. dot org. And I want to thank you, Rodrigo, for joining me today.
1: Thank you very much. And before I leave, I just want to remind people that this coming Sunday, March twentieth, it's our um, Sunday matinee, Domingo de Teatro, which is a free performance for all the community that starts at 2 p.m., and we strongly advise people to arrive an hour early so they can get their tickets because it is a first-come, first-served basis. So we look forward to seeing everybody at the show.
0: And again, that was Rodrigo Garcia. Muchísimas gracias, Rodrigo, for joining me today.
1: Ha sido un placer. Gracias.
0: And you've been listening to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover, and I've been your host, Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. The Latin America Solidarity Coalition presents Haiti and Honduras the fight for democracy in the Americas on Sunday,
1: March 20th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the San Francisco Friends Meeting House 65 9th Street between Market and Mission Streets near BART Muni Civic Center Station.
0: Speakers will be Pierre Labossier of the Haiti Action Committee and Porfirio
1: Quintano, Hondurans in resistance of Northern California. There will be simultaneous translation, English-Spanish, and refreshments will be served. This event is wheelchair accessible, and all proceeds will benefit Marin Interfaith Task Force on Central America. For more information, call 510 525
0: 55497 five,